0: Bob Cunningham. Um, As as you mentioned, I work for uh, TD Ameritrade. We are an online brokerage um, company. And so financial services, we obviously do a lot of different things for retail customers, but we have a large institutional line of business as well with advisors. Um, So we have a, a, a couple different ways we go, and those have you know, different requirements from a technology stack. It's it's interesting what the advisors need from technology versus what the retail customer needs is sometimes in common, but a lot of times different. Um, so I have come from a financial services background. I actually worked at Scottrade before uh, TDA we were purchased, and so I've been doing this now. This February will be my 19th or 20th year. I always have to look, 19th um, year. Uh, started as an intern uh, and wow. <laughs> worked my way up. So I now and um, uh, I lead the application architecture enterprise application architecture team at uh, TDA. And then uh, nine months ago, uh, took over and uh, then we formed. A, we decided to go all in with PCF and we started a program. Um, and I formed uh, the cloud arm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I generically call it the cloud, you could have went PCF or whatever, but uh, I decided to go generically cloud because of, you know we have ambitions of taking PCF and hosting it in, in public clouds at some point, um, but we are kind of starting with on-prem, you know, get our feet wet.
1: Tell us the backstory. So you mentioned, you know, started with PCF, I think you said about nine, nine months ago, six, nine months ago. What led to that decision? What what were some of the factors driving your your need or your decision to modernize the way you build applications, the way you... The way you operate applications what, what was what led to that decision first off
0: yeah so uh i'll give a little bit of a backstory before i joined because i know it um the company but uh you know we had been working with pivotal through pivotal labs and so there was a i'm going to call it a pcf presence but it was pretty small and minimal um just enough to support our our labs engagements um and for those that don't know, that's where you actually go. You sit at a pivotal location, you're totally immersed, and you build some new product, whatever that thing is you're there for. So um, there was a couple starts and stops of doing that with Pi- with Pivotal Labs, um, and then I think you know everybody realizes that whether it's public cloud, whether it's agile, whether it's PCF, you all need to find ways, whether it's technology, but it's hopefully more than just technology, um, to accelerate your path to production. Ultimately, you know, s- shrink your cycle time and get get features and products out quicker. Um, hopefully, also better products quicker um, so I think I think our leadership realized that PCF was a good potential for that um, we also had a com- com- competing product at the time so they asked us to do an evaluation so we did a bake off mm-hmm. and uh, based upon the requirements and the things that we were looking at um, PCF was a better fit so the main thing that drove uh, there was a lot of different things but the, I'd say the, one of the largest things is we had a real focus on developer experience right? And so, since that was weighted so heavily in our evaluation criteria, um, it just made PCF a, a, a better choice. Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, developer experience is, you know, in, in furtherance of the end of, I assume, releasing software faster and giving your customers more functionality, uh, responding to their needs more quickly. Is that was that kind of yeah part I, of I, the part of the goal
0: for sure? And, and you know, developer experience. You know, if you if you think about the way classic IT works, less service tickets, less wait time, mm-hmm. less. You know, ultimately, um, everybody has their own motivation on what drives them to do good work. But generally, developers just want to get product out, right? Right. Um, And that's what gives them the satisfaction. So, for their to have their satisfaction scores be high and to have a great experience, they have to be able to do that in a pretty frictionless manner. Um, And that's where PCF automation, um, some of the let's call it DevOps experiences, um, really enable
1: that. Got it. So let's talk about uh, application transformation. So, you know, we, I think a lot of the attention sometimes gets put on, you know, net new cloud native applications, which are great and can drive a lot of new business and new uh, new interest from customers and those kinds of things. But in any existing enterprise, you're going to have a lot of legacy applications. Uh, A lot of those are going to be monolithic applications. They're going to be on legacy tech stacks. And part of the challenge is, well, how do we modernize those applications? Because those are oftentimes the ones that are really bringing in the bulk of the revenue. Talk a little bit about your... Your approach to application transformation. I thought I was on here for you to give me that answer. <laughs> <laughs> if I had it, I would share it with you. Uh, although I have heard from a few different, uh, a few different customers, and perhaps I can share some insights. But I'd love to hear from you uh, what you were thinking as you kind of started that process. Uh, yeah, looking at that, no vast portfolio of applications and thinking, how are we going to modernize these?
0: It, it is a uh, daunting task, right? Like you have thousands of applications that have been written. Some might go back ten years or longer, um, depending on where they are. So um, I think. I think for us, um, we had one advantage that I like to lean on so generally speaking we were already in the process of modernizing and moving forward towards spring spring boot um, so the, even the, the newest version so we have a large presence there um, so it's a natural thing for us to say well that's kind of the sweet spot for PAS it's not exclusive by any means but it's just like they're, they're born for each other um, clearly with Pivotal being a, a con- number one contributor um, so I think we s- decide to start with some of those Low hanging fruits, Um, and we worked with some teams and we targeted some that we thought we could be successful with our first engagement with Pivotal. So we we did do a 10 week, well, a four week engagement um, for a roadmap, and then a 10 week engagement with them to work side by side. And, um, I had my team, a couple of my members on my team, um, went and they actually, um, took the role of the developer, not the pivot. Okay. So I was like, well, they have to experience, um, working and it was a kind of a win-win because of the team we went and worked for, uh, you know, pulling together resources with this new thing. So I said, I'll give you one of my resources. They'll essentially act like one of your, your developers, um, and we'll get to learn and so it was interesting and then slowly as the engagement went on they kind of switched roles and they started trying to help more as a pivot um so um from an application stack we just kind of we did a a, a funnel process where we kind of set criteria of what we thought were um good business reasons why you would want to target that app um it's important like uh, so it really doesn't make a ton of sense to invest into something that is running good well um doesn't change ever mm-hmm. and you know so we wanted to have some criteria like frequency of change we wanted to have some criteria around you know um you know risk profiles and everything, and then um, then we went to the technical criteria. And honestly, it was mainly driven from pivotal. Uh, right, the, it was new to us, so they taught us a lot about whether are the things that make things good candidates and bad candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's you, we kind of just targeted those apps. And then what we did in our engagement that I, I and we did it again when I'll, I'll get into our own private engagement. Um, is we tried to pick things across a a, a broad range of... I'm going to say scoring, right? So we picked ones that were really good fits to get our feet wet to kind of just get into the platform and learn. We picked some harder use cases. We tried to fit enough type of things in order to maximize our learning experience more than mm. maybe maximize um, how much we got onto the platform.
1: That's an interesting concept. So you have these, it's an early early engagement. You recognize that you have a lot to learn, so let's pick a few different types of applications that have different risk profiles and different... Uh, architectural concerns yes. and let's kind of vary that up so that we're learning and you're somewhat could be potentially sacrificing the total the number of applications you're going to move to the platform in the short term but in the long term you're going to learn which is going to ultimately accelerate your
0: Yeah, it's sort of like uh, um, TDD or um, any form of automated testing. There's probably a little bit more initial upfront cost but the, the hope is, is if you do it right that you end up um, accelerating and getting you know an order of magnitude back um, once you reach that that tipping point. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just... You know, we had the pivots there. They've done this at a lot of companies, so we just tried to pick some interesting use cases out of this pool. We were working with a single team, but we tried to pick some interesting use cases um, and make sure we could learn as much as we possibly could. A big part of what you do in App Transformations is, you know, you come up with your recipes, and this is the, the thing that shows other people how to do it, right? Um, they don't have to. You leave it up to them for their choice, but if, if it's easy and it enables them, they're going to want to follow it. Um, and so we just tried to... M- you know, get as much as we could during that ten-week engagement, um, and then so I think we we definitely wanted to get out on the platform. We definitely wanted to learn. Um, so it was really a mix of learning experience and uh, making some progress. Um, and that was 10 weeks, and then um, Pivotal moves on, and uh, we are, we've are we successfully just completed our own um, first one. It was just me, uh, the team, uh, as part of our program. We worked with uh, app, app devs um, and did one without Pivotal, um, followed a lot of the playbook, right? A big part of the playbook that we haven't mentioned is, like, OKRs. So yep. it's hard to know where you're going to get if you don't set your objectives up front mm-hmm. um, and your key results to get there. So we definitely do that process. We like it a lot. Um, it's actually started to grow in the company. Um, so all of technology at the, the, the CIO level and the, his directs now have OKRs. Um, and I don't know if it was a uh, coincidental, it probably was, or maybe they were thinking about doing it. They saw it and also decided it was mm-hmm. time. Um, but it's definitely a practice we do now. Um, and we're going to mature that. So we did that. We've met with the team and then our engagement was five weeks. Um, we did five weeks and in five weeks we moved, uh, we, re platformed, um, 12 applications, which doesn't sound that, that great. Um, but, uh, we also did a bunch of different modernizations, um, our first time doing it we probably uh, our mistake was we probably focused a little too much on modernizations that first week Mm -hmm. when you're still trying to form as a team and so (laughs) lesson learned Um, but we got two apps to production uh, all the way to through the pipeline um, right because this is still new so we have a lot of processes that we still have to optimize and automate but we're, we're constantly trying to Pick pain points and improve them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you've heard this with from everybody. It's a journey, not a, <laughs> a destination, <laughs> yep. so it takes some time.
1: Well, th- talk about the the team. Um, what 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 kind of characteristics do you look for in people um, who are best suited for this kind of kind of work? I was talking to uh, another customer, West Corp, earlier today, and they were talking about. Um, you know, there's different uh, there's different types of people. Some people are really, you know, into this change and want to learn, and others are kind of resistant. And, you know, that's just, based on the nature of people, you know, people react different ways to, to, to so these kind of things. I, what do you look
0: for? Yeah, I can tell you two things. So I'll say what I look for in my team, who's ultimately out there working with people, and then what we when we're talking to a a leader, trying to get a team to work with what I suggest or say to them. So for my team, I mean, obviously experience is important, um, but the the number one criteria is uh, a willingness to be open to change. So my team's architects um, and at that senior architects, they've been doing it for a while, but they, they each have their own personalities and their own styles. Um, So they're not the same even though they're the same um and so each of their styles are different so you just got to you know understand that and a willingness to teach a willingness to pick up stuff new um so an open mind and, a, and the ability to learn is probably number one thing and then the technical stuff right the writing the code to doing those things it just comes naturally then for most of them um so some are better at always being open and communicating some are better at bringing a new thing to the table that everybody gets super excited about everybody has their sweet spot um so for the teams i go to work with you know we've only done one but when we were building the material saying hey this is what we want to do i I said it has to be your 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 rock stars and by that i didn't mean like your best developers i just meant the people that if you say oh he's good at everything i ask him to do um he, if you ask him to go teach somebody, he does that. If you ask him to go code something by himself, he would do that. Like they're just open to whatever they're tasked with, and they put their 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 everything they can behind it. And the reason I asked for that um, to start with is because it's new, and you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part is you really want to and. <laughs> I owe kudos to Pivotal. As as you're learning this from them, you almost don't believe it until you go do it yourself and you're like, ah, it makes sense, right? So it's because you want them to be the people that you leave behind that kind of do that again. So you Mm -hmm. want them to get out and build a community amongst while you're also helping build a community. So those guys can now go work with a team, be open to teaching them, go sit with them for a while, say, hey, do a... learn. So we we had everybody on, uh, one of our OKRs was how comfortable they were um, with being able to do this without us, mm-hmm. and and that included teaching other people to do it. So we we just we ask them a question, they give us hey, yeah, we're really comfortable, and that'll mean that you know binary we met the OKR. So they might give a learning session or a brown bag um, lunch session to a team. Um, they've with the apps that we've moved, they've already went and worked with teams to explain what they did um they've already committed uh and created their own recipes and put them into our overall cookbook that the whole enterprise can look at and use so it's not to say that they have to be rock stars like but you want to try to cherry pick especially in the beginning like the people that you think you can going to be successful with because like you've probably heard a million times today it's a culture change too it's a, it's a we're going to do things different and uh my boss told me this a long time ago, and I used it with everybody so far it was um, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning because everybody comes and they think they, they literally ask the team they ask me well how do you do this they want to answer in in the beginning there aren't answers there's a lot of ways to do things and we haven't done enough or um, learned enough to know that this way is necessarily better than that way so I just kind of Told them to be comfortable with uh, being uncomfortable, be willing to experiment, and so. After the first week, they were. <laughs> like, it took a little bit, but they were super excited about that. And we just tried things. And so we have things that could go on to prod that we probably won't because we're like, it was good, but there's probably a better way to do that. But you had to try something to know
1: that. Right, right. And so finding those people that have that mentality that can can, can live in that space where it's a little bit uncomfortable, not going to know if this is going to work or not, uh, those kind of people who you're looking for, because then it sounds like your strategy to scale this throughout the enterprises, those, those people are then going to go and try to teach others. And hopefully that's a, a self-perpetuating. Yeah, so we have approach. we have multiple
0: lines of business, mm-hmm. um, and so our technology has multiple technology lines of, that line up with those lines of business. Okay. Um, and so through the first App TX with Pivotal, we we worked with two different lines of business, um, and then this time we did one. We went to another line of business, and so the the hope is is that you've built enough momentum and inertia with those people that you work with that. Those lines of business can make lots of decisions. They could form an enablement team of their own, sort of like what we're doing at the enterprise level. And just have them do that kind of process. They could have it be more informal, and those people are just available. And maybe they go work with the team for a couple of weeks, and maybe they work with a different team, or maybe they're answering questions um, on our on PCF Slack channel. So we have we're trying to build a Slack community. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, uh, Otto from uh, Greg Otto from uh, Comcast talks a lot about the Slack community. Uh, it's it's a big deal. It's a great way to learn stuff from each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, the goal. But we don't want to be overly prescriptive either. Right, Um, you can't go in and say you got to do something this way, right? That's like the antithesis of what you're trying to do from a technology point of view. So, why would you do it from a process point of view? Mm -hmm. So, you just kind of say, Here's things that I think will work, and just partnerships. Um, You really just got to partner with them and start talking and have a great dialogue, be open and figure it out. I mean, ultimately, all I want for my team to do is. Enable people, whatever that means. Um, So, if that's creating reference implementations, great. If it's creating recipes, great. If it's partnering and actually implementing a a new modernization technique or a new technology, then great. Um, As long as it's helping everybody, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's the new style of architecture. Um, Mm Kind of get rid of that old ivory tower, standard based, out, shout, do X, um, and focus a little bit more on um, getting out there and enabling teams. Mm-hmm. There's lots of smart people out there. If you if you help them and point them in the right direction, they'll 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 be successful.
1: Right, and you want to take take advantage of that of those those smart people yeah, for sure. Got it. Um, so you, we were talking earlier. You mentioned essentially you've got two groups. You've got more of your uh, I guess your traditional architecture group, and then you started a cloud group. Tell us a little bit about. The structure of the of the organization, how that, how that works, and, and what you were thinking. Um, you it that doesn't work out. great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean uh, it was a it was kind of born out of um, need. Um, so you know you have a classic application architecture team, and yep. um, I buy into a we way we're already trying to transform that kind of team into doing a little bit more hands on, a little bit more enablement. Um, definitely more community-based, right? We've set up some communities, and we're kind of trying to push that. And then the the PCF um, pivotal engagement came around, and you know they live and breathe that kind of mentality. So I shifted, and the reason I created two teams is because I, w- I really felt it was important if I was going to do this and and be really change the way we're thinking. I wanted to actually create new roles. Mm. So a lot of the the, um a lot of the characteristics that you're looking for are in my new role I mean I call out um, hands-on time pairing with developers in my new role I call out a lot of the cloud things um, reference implementation so uh, I felt like if you're gonna ask people to do it then ask people to do it um, and then it also helps with hiring right like you know sometimes people will say oh I'm hiring this and then you're doing something else and that's not great so that's kind of why it happened. Um, I would wager over time that line between them gets blurrier and blurrier and blurrier until so there's not really a line between them. And um, But right now it's just like focus areas, so we have other initiatives going on um, that, that require some resources, so I kind of just keep them a little bit separate. But we... We still have team meetings together. We still do things that are together and talk across, so it's not mm-hmm. like it's a pure boundary.
1: So it sounds like it's a it's a pragmatic approach for today, but the idea is, I, mean, I, I assume the, 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 not the end point, because there's never an end, but the goal is to get to a point where this is, Cloud-native is just the way we do things. Yes. And there's not these two separate groups. Yeah. No, I, I think
0: so, um, right? Once you've evolved enough and you don't have some of maybe these legacy constraints or, or some of these other things that you're doing in a non-cloud-native way, I think that becomes a, a more natural thing to just say. But in the meantime, it's like, you know, I wanted to both give the recognition and the roles that are different, right? Because right now they are different. And if they morph together, maybe the roles become the same again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um but right now you have tons of legacy, you have tons of classic things, um, you have things that fit in the cloud native space but also fit in the old monolithic space. Um, so.
1: Something I'll have to figure out, but luckily not right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the future, so so what what you know what do you hope to accomplish? Let's say in the next six months to a year, uh, what was kind of on your agenda, and, and how do you see this progressing? So, um, you know, we did our own FTX
0: and we did some some good work last quarter. Um, this quarter, we're we're taking a small step back from what I would call like a, a larger FTX which is five weeks because it's very consuming and it's most of my team. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a lot of capabilities to to do more than that when you're there. I mean, it's nonstop, eight hours a day. You're with them. You're doing those things. Um, So this quarter we're going to do some what I call mini engagements. And we're still going (laughs) to – it's something I invented. I don't know if Pivotal does something like this or prescribes it, but – Basically, we're going to focus most of the quarter on enablement. And by that, I mean, um, you know, we have some new backing services that are coming available, um, Redis via the Marketplace. Um, We're working on Spring Cloud Services uh, via the Marketplace. So get those reference implementations, um, get some recipes around them set up so that we can, because I want to enable as many people as possible. So if we go work with one team, we'll get a lot done with that one team, but Mm -hmm. it's still one team. But, But if I do this... Um, hopefully the goal is we can we can we can communicate through the the community channels and that might uptick more than one team right and it'll be a proof in concept we're only doing it this quarter we'll see and if we don't then we'll we'll try something else um, but the small mini engagements will be we'll just have a much more focused effort of going to work with that team to implement whatever that capability is that's now available. Mm-hmm. So we'll target a team that needs a distributed cache or session caching so that we can uh, you know improve their application and actually use Redis via the marketplace. Um, you know Spring Cloud services, we have a couple teams that are really wanting to use Eureka, explore that. Um, so we would target a team. Specifically, to get that implemented mm-hmm. and work with them on it. Um, still doing an AppTX style. Like, we'll get together. We'll make sure we're on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish. But and we'll be hands on during the time. But not this five weeks where we have a probably a bigger pool of applications and you're kind of. You know, whatever you get done during that five weeks based on your OKRs, is what you get done. This will be a little bit more focused. Um, but that's really just because, like I said, there's capabilities that we're trying to deliver mm-hmm. from the platform and everybody um, this quarter that I think
1: made that uh, an option. Mm. Um, and turning a little bit to the infrastructure, so you're running uh, on-premises now. Uh, is, is public cloud in your future? I mean, how do you think about uh, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, whatever you want to call it, uh, how do you see that playing out at TD Ameritrade? So we haven't
0: um, uh, we haven't had a very many conversations about it, other than to say that it's something we are going to do at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like yes, we'll be in public cloud at some point, um, hybrid cloud um, foundations across different clouds. Right, that's kind of one of the reasons why you want to use PCF is you right. don't want to be stuck in a, in a single provider. Um, but we haven't really looked into it from a point of view of actually doing it. Um, so we'll be um, at, at, at the end of fiscal year 19. That'll be, you know, essentially a year's worth of time we've been doing this. And every, a lot of people say, well, you need, like, the 18-month window is that special sweet spot of whenever you're uh, – the term you guys uh, – a lot of people use is the hockey stick starts to go up. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe then you have enough momentum that you can refocus a little bit of your resources towards, okay, what does it mean now to get a foundation running in public cloud? What is What has to change from our applications being further apart? Um, those types of things. Um, so I definitely think it's part of the conversation, just... As a, something to order of magnitude <laughs> this big, is like right. you have so many things you can yeah. prioritize and focus on at yeah. once. But it
1: gives, but PCL gives you that flexibility when you get to that point. For uh, sure, it, it, it'll be a, a lot easier than if you were potentially using. Well,
0: and I'm, uh, I was talking to people that are further along the journey here, um, uh, Comcast guys, um, a couple other companies, and so they obviously have foundations running in public cloud. And the thing that excites me most is this that, that how close it gets you to those public cloud services. Right, and so that's the thing about public cloud. Yes, it's nice. I I get it. Uh, Multiple availability zones, and um, you know, being able to run on uh, public infrastructure, public cloud infrastructure, and so on and so forth. But I think the from the developer in me would be it's just it gets you closer to more and more services available. And that if we've done the transformation right, if we have these product teams and we've enabled them and they, you know, they've upskilled and they're doing great things, then. Well it might make sense for a team to go do some A service that nobody else is doing right because for their problem it fits right um and some other teams might do something completely different because for their problem it fits. And, but, you know, it just the world kind of opens up once you've got there. Um, you know, internally there's a lot of conversations like, how do you provide those services that only a single team needs? Or um, how much is that going to cost to bring in X, Y, Z for them? Or are they going to have to support it on their own? Those types of conversations. So I, I just feel like public cloud
1: um, kind of opens up your world a little bit more too. Cool. Um, so just a couple more questions. Yeah. Very open-ended. So, you know, if if you could give, let's say, one or two pieces of advice, like the most important lessons you've learned over the the last year or so, uh, to our listeners who maybe are where you you were a year ago they are now, uh, what would that be? Trust Pivotal.
0: All right, I like that one. <laughs> I, I say that jokingly because uh, we uh, question them constantly. Like, why don't you just tell us what the OKR should be? You've done this 50 times. Why don't you do this? And, um, like, after doing it, I get it now. But you have to, so just let it kind of ride out. Don't don't set unrealistic expectations. Um, start small. Uh, I don't know, like, I don't know that we have or haven't done this well. But I can just tell you I it's something Pivotal preached. And it's something I hear the people that are the most successful, I feel like done, they did, did that well, is just start with a team or two that are good and build those capabilities. The platform is great. Pivotal uh, PCF is Awesome. But it still doesn't come done, right? Right. There's still work to do. Absolutely. (laughs) So, like, uh, you have to do things that are specific to your environment, your specific problems. The platform engineers, um, they have to upskill themselves in the things that are doing differently. Um, The app dev teams have new ways to think of things. Um, So there's just a lot of things going on. So if you start small, start with a couple teams, um, really start upticking, showing some value, right? Once you start showing value, getting everybody Else, to want to take advantage of that value is probably the easy part. So, I I would definitely suggest um, starting small. Um, And then, I think uh, this is probably hard for everybody, um, and I definitely preach it, but struggle with it: is being, you know, open to that, um, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, Like as an architect, and you know, let's call it classic architect, you want to have the answers. You want to. You want to make sure the thing you're doing, you're doing right, and that it's going to work for everybody. But you just can't think of that way. If you're really trying to achieve the agility that transformation promises then you have to let go of some of that because not every answer fits everybody (laughs) Um, and it really is about shifting left and and empowering teams to be able to do more and control more of their own destiny so to do that takes a lot of trust and a willingness to try something and if it doesn't work be like okay we failed and try something different right Um, so that's that's probably the one that
1: I say it a lot, but I'm still the most uncomfortable <laughs> with sometimes. But you know, everybody has to grow it too. Absolutely. Uh, and last question. So we're here at CF Summit. Yes. Um, talk about the community and, and how that is important to what you guys are doing, and and perhaps learning from from your uh, you know your colleagues at different companies. Uh, you know, how important is that? open source community to, to, the, to the development of, of your platform and your trans- transformation.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's two aspects of it. There's the open source aspect of it. And um, you, we've heard, you know, multiple people speak that once they've accepted it and they, they ultimately bought into it, it really accelerated them. It, it opened up their world. Um, that's one side. And I guess you could argue that it's part of the two sides of the same coin. That to me, just community without open source, like just community, mm-hmm. right? right? Um, we're very focused on just community. Um, Not that we don't use open source products, we do, but we're early in our journey. We're definitely not um, highly contributing to anything or creating our own yet, right? Um, So we're more focused on just community, and, like, to me, that's just, like, bringing the the human factor back in. Like, it became sort of factory for a while in IT, and, like, you know, there's a bunch of boundaries, and this team does this, and this team does that, and, like, you forgot that we're all humans. And so it's, like, getting everybody to help each other and... so people can ask questions on the community channel. And, yes, my team can answer them more often than not or go do some research and find the answer. But it's awesome whenever uh, someone else answers that question because, like, that gives them some satisfaction. They, they knew something and they've already experienced it and they help someone else out. So bringing that human factor back um, is a big part of the community. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if it's coincidental, but we had that um, keynote where they were talking about empathy. Maybe that's yep. part of it too yeah. is the human factor empathy in my mind. Um so I think that that's a big part of it um, as well. Um, what else? So the other thing about community is a numbers game, in my sense, in in a sense like I think I think of it. Maybe I'm the only one, but I, I hope people agree with me. Is <laughs> the open source community and even the what I was calling the regular community, it's a numbers game. Um, so if you have a team of four developers or five developers and they're trying to solve a problem, they might solve it perfect. They might come up with the most elegant solution, but if you open that up to uh, 5,000 people, well, what are your odds that you're going to get something that fits, right? And yes, you'll have a lot of strong opinions, but ultimately, you're just absorbing information. You don't have to do anything. Um, The open source community, I, I think about a lot like that in the numbers game, so yeah, we could build a framework that does X with our architecture team, and there's six of us, or eight of us and we're doing a great job and we're helping um, we're helping the rest of the developers but if like a couple of people mentioned that we intersource that well now we could have a developer contribute something that we didn't even think about mm. and now that maybe unlocks a bunch of other things so it's mm-hmm. like that's the kind of a- the aspect I like just bringing different perspectives making it a safe space to talk or experiment and just see what great
1: things come out of it absolutely I think that's a great great place to end on Awesome. Bob, thanks so much. This has been great. I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy it. All right, appreciate it. Thank you very much.